Welcome to the Bliss Angle. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bliss Angle. Uh, I am Alex Pavlov, joined today by Dr. Steve Brooks. Uh, Dr. Brooks is an expert in politics in the media and uh, will be talking about earned media in the 2016 campaign. Uh, Dr. Brooks, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Dr. Brooks, when we think of how political campaigns work, uh, we often think of television commercials, flyers in our mailboxes, eager people going door to door asking us to vote. But during the primary campaign, Donald Trump did very little of that. Uh, in fact, he bragged about how he didn't need to run commercials. What do you think was going on there? Well, I like to think about campaigns much the way that those who do that and those of us who research it. And very broadly, we divide it up into two very separate activities. One are the kinds of activities that the campaign can control and be in charge of and spend money on, things like advertising and things like uh, organizing people to go door to door and all of those practices that you talked about. The other side is what uh, campaign experts call earned media. That is getting your name in the news. Some people call it free media, but for campaign people, because they have a strategy and they work very hard at it, they don't just take it for granted that they will appear in the news. They have to work at it, and so we will call we'll call it earned media, which is what they are trying to do. So, what types of things uh, would would candidates do uh, to earn this media to make sure they appeared in the news? But traditionally, what campaigns do is they send out press releases touting their uh, position on issues. Uh, they attempt to make them exciting more than just a boring description of things, try to stage an event or make the announcement at uh, a special place. One of my favorites was a local candidate was using corruption as one of the major points of his campaign, and so his press release about how he was going to combat corruption uh, was done in front of a sewer plant, which got wonderful television coverage because of its unique idea. But essentially what candidates try to do is to try to make sure that uh, their position and the way in which they describe things uh, is in the news uh, and not just rely on, on and campaigning. They also uh, do so by responding to topical issues. You'll notice one of the first things that happened uh, after the uh, Brexit vote this last week is both of the political campaigns immediately came out with a response uh, so that any discussion of Brexit would also in include them. So as I say, all of this is done so your campaign and, and your message is appears uh, not just in advertising and uh, in the mailbox, but in the news and uh, connects the, the candidates to that. So what does this have to do with Donald Trump not buying advertising? He essentially, during the primary campaign, was so effective that he felt like he did not even need to do the, the paid side of, of campaigning. And so um, he, didn't, he didn't need it. And his approach to the news was uh, very different. The, uh, most candidates try to do, don't do many things don't like many of the things the news media say about them, but they also need the news. They, they need to appear. 
and here Trump was just appearing essentially break all these unwritten rules because the relationship between reporters and political journalists and a candidate usually is an uneasy uh, relationship where they both need each other. The reporters need the candidates to say things and do things so that uh, they have stories to write and, and can cover the news the way the public expects them to. And candidates, as I've already said, need to appear in the news. So they kind of need each other. Uh, Trump's approach was very, very different. Instead of waiting to be asked to appear on a television or a radio show, he just pick up the phone. He'd call in, call yeah. In. Which, which purportedly he has a, a long history of doing. That is, right. that is correct. Instead of being deferential to reporters, hmm. uh, as we well know, he is very fond of picking and choosing which ones he appreciates and um, saying not very nice things about uh, <laughs> other things. Uh, it, and it worked. Uh, by some estimates during the primary, he received over twice as much earned media as Clinton and six times as much uh, compared to his closest Republican rival. So, you know, I'm going to ask you to do something difficult here and analyze the mind of Donald Trump. Um, but, but do you think his kind of his background as as a media personality, um, his familiarity with television and and now social media, kind of enabled him to move more quickly than other candidates on those fronts um, to have a better understanding of the inner workings of the media? I, I'm unwilling to call it a strategy. Okay. Uh, All right. Not sure that uh, I think he responds to things very much. Uh, and as we all know, he's not very deferential to anybody, uh, much less people who, who tend to uh, criticize him. But he also was very used to using this same process for uh, getting earned media for his brands, for his projects, for his products. Uh, he would say outrageous things, he would make amazing promises about what he was going to do, and they would get lots of coverage. And needless to say, uh, everyone, after becoming a television personality, knew who he was, and so anytime he said something, uh, the, the news, uh, especially the entertainment uh, side of the news, was more than willing to uh, bring out. Uh, in fact, he was so good at doing this, it even forced his opponents to talk about what he was saying, which then even added more. It was his opponents essentially contributing to his uh, earned media. Mm. Uh, and as far as reporters go, uh, they were not only <clears throat> not used to this relationship between candidate and journalists, uh, political reporters didn't take his campaign seriously. Mm. Now. Nor, nor I'll note, did political scientists initially. Did political scientists, mm -hmm. did surveys. Political hacks. Did, and, survey yeah. researchers, political commentators. <laughs> nobody took him seriously. Uh, and in all of our defenses, we depend on history and past presidential primary seasons have what were seen as fringe candidates leading early and then they would drop by the wayside. But, um, and in addition, 
he was not taken seriously because he was seen more as an entertainer and, and not as a political person. And in fact, one point in the campaign, the primary campaign, the Huffington Post vowed not to cover him uh, as a political, it, it put their political people on it, but only cover him as an entertainment person. Right, right. They put it in the entertainment section. Yep. Absolutely. I think uh, after a few primary wins, they moved it back. But um, Yes. I, yeah. But, but that to right. me really shows where political reporters' minds were and... and as I say, most of the pundits, and 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 Every even one. a few people asking me what was going to happen in the primary uh, was my, was my mindset as well. Okay, so uh, once once the journalists and and the pundits and uh, really everybody saw what was going on here, um, couldn't they put a stop to it? Not really. Okay, <laughs> but we shouldn't be too hard on the news media because. Not only do we have this unique candidate, but the whole nature of news has been changing so rapidly, and in my opinion, really ex exacerbated the problem. We have to begin with understanding, and this is not new, but we have to begin by understanding that news is not there just for social uh, goodness and, and being good citizens, but it is a business, and a business that needs to make a profit. That means that to do well in the news business these days, you have to have a lot of viewers or listeners or readers to, to really do what, uh, to make money on this thing that we call news. And the public, you and me were drawn to the news media. The shows where he called in, their um, listenership, their ratings just jumped, which then made competing ones wanting to have him call in. Uh, and as I say, you and I and the public were as fascinated by this whole process as everybody else. And if that produced eyeballs, if that produced listeners, then uh, the media was more than happy to go along with it. And especially from a business point of view, it would be crazy not to jump on the bandwagon that all your competitors were doing uh, as far as getting uh, the, the listeners and the viewers you needed. In addition, the rise of social media has taken control of what appears in the news away from journalists and reporters. In the old days, the only thing we could, the only persons that were deciding what we were listening to and hearing in the news were the journalists and, and editors and, and the people in the news business. Social media has taken much of that control away from them. In fact, every journalist, political journalist, could have agreed to stop covering Trump, and all he and his supporters would have done was hit social media and embarrass news reporters on why they were not covering uh, this political candidate. In addition, all of this Trump coverage was coming so fast and, and he was very adept at manipulating the media in the sense that a difficult time would come uh, or, or he would say something and there would be a lot of excitement and of course it takes a few 
hours, sometimes a couple of days, to truly fact check this, to contact the people who would say, oh, well, this would be the appropriate response and all of that. So if news coverage began to die down or it started to become terribly critical, all Trump would do was say something else that, at least in some people's opinions, was outrageous or unbelievable. And all of the fact-checking, as well as all of the let's talk about another candidate or something else, would then fall off the, the, the news coverage. All right, so going, going back to the first question, primaries are over. Donald Trump still isn't spending money on traditional advertising or building a traditional campaign structure. Uh, most accounts in the media uh, suggest that Trump is leaning heavily on um, the, the bare-bones RNC field staff. Uh, Republican supporters also seem to be encouraging him to move away from these, if you will, outrageous statements of the day um, strategy to a more traditional campaign. Um, what do you what do you think is going to happen there? Well, you should not depend on me to predict the future of, of Donald Trump. Uh, I don't think I'm alone in uh, not having been very successful in the past. But it's difficult to see how continuing his practice that he had in the primaries, reluctant to call it a strategy, uh, how that can be successful. It seems to me that, uh, as you have suggested, the Republican Party and others are suggesting to help him out on the ground game, uh, but he seems to be very willing to, to let them do that and, and all of that, but continue with the way that he has operated. And my guess is he will be in fact, there are some rumblings that he's out raising money now to, to do advertising. The real question, however, is what's going to be the message of the advertising? And probably, as far as I'm concerned, what's really interested, uh, what is going to be the earned media approach? Seems to me there are a couple of problems here. First of all, now there are only two candidates in the race. and. Four months of just criticizing Hillary Clinton, uh, talking about all that's wrong with her, can probably get old even for the people that are really, really supportive of Trump. So it needs to be something a little bit more than uh, the, the difficulties with Clinton. One would also think that he would need to have at least some solid policy positions that when the presidential debates come, and he is asked to debate uh, those policy issues, that there are some answers that are go beyond the very short amount of time that he was asked to, to talk about during the primaries. With only two candidates, you have 50% of a, of a two-hour session. Doesn't mean you can, can just provide very short answers. So most interesting will be that whole approach. Uh, and for me, what is most interesting is the traditional earned media approach has depended upon this symbiotic relationship between journalists and, uh, and the candidates. And candidates are afraid uh, of shutting out or uh, being oppositional to journalists for fear of they may not have their name appeared. Uh, I remember, and, and this is kind of a deviation from Trump, but I remember in a senatorial election here in Ohio uh, 
number of years ago. Uh, one of the candidates uh, had a Ohio-based uh, campaign, and the other candidate had people that had come in from Washington, D.C. and other places. And that group had decided that little papers like the Akron Beacon Journal and the Dayton mm. Daily News mm -hmm. were, were not worth spending time mm. with. Uh, two months later, the campaign was complaining that they never got covered in, like, the Akron Beacon. The political reporter from the Beacon Journal basically said, you're not being covered because you won't talk to me. Well, if Trump begins to have that same approach, that's really violating that relationship that has been essential uh, for campaign practices. Um, and again, I'm not willing to predict that using that approach will not work, but I think he will find it much more difficult to be successful and energize, especially the undecided voters that are needed to get him over the 50% the plus one that would be needed to win the election. Well, thank you, Dr. Brooks, for joining us today and sharing your expertise on politics and the media. I hope those listening find it useful. It was very enjoyable. Thank you, Alex. Well, thank you so much. All right, thank you for listening to The Bliss Angle, and we'll see you again soon.